Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Zach Blostein. And only Zach Blostein, because Chris Knee is beginning his trek up to rainy, chilly Charlotte to cover the ACC championship game. He's bringing Brett Nevitt with him. He's bringing his family with him. Uh, and apparently, Zach, uh, they are, Chris is staying up in Charlotte for a few days to do some other stuff. And Brett's driving back with which is Chris's family. Wait, Chris is staying there himself, you said? He's going like on a pilgrimage or something like that? I'm okay. Not... I, 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 I encouraged it, like, as a time to kind of, like, recharge and stuff after the, the regular season ends. Like, I think it's a good thing. I didn't know that poor Brett was just driving home with a family that wasn't his. We need a podcast on, on just that car ride. <laughs> I like the idea of just Caressa scolding Brett for all his, like, little bad habits that he has. I don't, don't do that. Don't wipe your nose. I'm gonna say I'm just yeah. How many words do you think will be spoken on that car ride? A, a lot. I mean, they're they're cool with each other, so it's it's fine. But I do like the idea of like Brett like just being adopted, kind of, and not really quite like signing up for it. I don't know. Kind of, he's kind of like like if if you didn't know who Chris or Brett were, like you kind of think Brett might be his son. I could see that. Like, yeah, his illegitimate son that he had like out of wedlock before he met Caressa. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you don't need to go that far. Uh, sorry for everyone. Chris is probably listening to this. Uh, Chris, Brett, Colin, before we even get to the Turner group. Let's get into it, Zach. FSU's playing a championship game this weekend, conference championship game against Louisville. It's going to be at 8 p.m. on Saturday night, which just is an absurd amount of, like, I go to bed at 8 since the, the sun started changing and the time changed, Zach. I can't deal with this. It's yeah, not I mean, okay. No, and I'm, you know, I'm the young guy. I, I hate those games because the whole game or the whole day, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. I, I like I like the noon kicks more now than I used to just because you just kind of get it over with. Um, all the 
anxiety or whatever as a fan too like I, i'm sure that that's not fun so yeah i mean i i think that the latest i like is like a 7 p.m kick because then it's not you know you're not getting out too late but the 8 p.m's are brutal 8 p.m's brutal and it's gonna be prime time so you know it's gonna be like a bunch of like kickoff commercial yeah two plays commercial like Dude, it's just the game with that was nuts yeah it was crazy it was nuts um i digress Primetime in Doke is pretty awesome, especially like against Miami or you know, a rival or a top 25 matchup. Uh, you know, neutral site field, Charlotte. I don't know what the atmosphere is going to be like. I, FSU fans have traveled extremely well this season. I anticipate you know, there, there's a, a large contingent of FSU fans in Charlotte and the Triangle area. Our, uh, our podcast numbers like show that as much. Like There is a large amount. So like I expect FSU fans to travel well. And like, listen, this is... I know what the national narrative is. I know what they're saying on ESPN. It's like depending on whoever drew the short straw to to talk about FSU not making it if they go undefeated. If FSU wins, Dane, cover your ears. Like they'll get it. Like, that, that is that is the name of the game right now. I know there's I mean, right, Zach. Like I think that's where we're still at with it. If you beat Louisville, you handle your business, you'll get in. The fact that they got ranked number four this week, I think completely makes any argument towards them dropping in the rankings after a win irrelevant. Like if you're going to run by the standards, you've run this rankings council in the past how 10 years or whatever. How, committee? How long, yeah. I mean, whatever it is like the Jedi council, the Jedi committee. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not huge. I mean, I think we're all pretty critical of, of what they do. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but based on, you know, the history of, of the council, um, they've never left an undefeated power five team out of the, or a conference champion out of the playoffs. It's not going to happen this it's year. Undefeated um, power five conference champion. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's not going to happen this year. And I mean, really the only people bringing this narrative up are ESPN you know, talking heads that are, I guess, trying to make cases for all these schools behind them, but it's, I mean, we know what it is trying to stir up some drama and, get people intrigued to watch the the show next week and, and see who who's going to make it. But to me, FSU just, I mean, it's pretty clear that they control their own destiny. Um, you win, you win against Louisville, you're in. It's going to be like, if FSU doesn't get in, it'd be like when Anakin uh, turned on the Jedi council. That was bad. In episode three. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would be one of the worst things that, I think has ever happened in sport. I mean, like, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but it would be one of the worst things that's ever happened. It it would be like crazy. It would be nuts, but it's not going to. So if they win, if they win. So let's talk about the game a little bit. I think we're gonna have an episode of Null Thy Enemy attached to this or shortly thereafter on the podcast. It just depends when this gets up, when Dane and Trey record that. So you'll get a pretty good idea of what Louisville is through those guys and the research that they're doing. Uh, Zach, you, you, took a little bit of off my plate today and I appreciate it to go ahead and, and do some preview stuff for Louisville five keys to victory. Let's talk about the Cardinals. They're in first year with head coach, Jeff Brom came over from Purdue, obviously Louisville ties for, for him. Uh, and he's done a really good job in year one, rebuilding that program, getting it on track, went from seven and five last year, 10 and two this year, had a chance for this to be a top 10 matchup, right? If they had beaten Kentucky, they didn't Clay Fink's happy somewhere because of that, but you know, here, here we are. So let's talk about like, what stands out to you about Louisville, like in terms of positive strengths, things that maybe give us a little trepidation or anxiety uh, going into this game? Yeah, well, I think everyone knows Jeff Brom as a kind of an offensive mastermind coach. Um, he he had some explosive offenses 
at Purdue, which, you know, you're not going to be recruiting elite talent at Purdue ever. Um, he found a way to, to find multiple guys that were pretty, you know, crazy explosive in that offense um, for multiple years. He comes home to Louisville and he's continued that success with this offense. They brought in a receiver like Jamari Thrash, who I accidentally called Jamari Trash in my article. Um, Did you really? And it I, wasn't on purpose? For like a minute. Um, I, I fixed it. Luckily, someone pointed it out on the board. But uh, that was not my my brightest moment. It's pretty wild. He's, a, he's an explosive player. He's a transfer from Georgia State. Had a big year, 800-plus receiving yards, around 60 receptions. He's a, a guy that their passing offense kind of runs through. Um, which is what's interesting with him. And then the next player I'm going to talk about, they both have sustained injuries. So he has a hand injury right now. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of hurt uh, his production yes. over the past few weeks. Oh. Um, and yeah, I, I guess he's had some drops. Uh, I don't know what it exactly it is in his hand, but um, it's causing the drop of all a few times. And, and, you know, just looking at a pure numbers standpoint, like he hasn't had um, a touchdown, I think since uh, week six. So a receiving touchdown. So um, still putting up some decent yardage, but but not as lethal as he was at the beginning of the season. And then their star running back, Jawar Jordan, uh, an undersized, you know, like I wouldn't say undersized, but just smaller frame running back, 5'10", 185 pounds. He's a guy that is kind of surprisingly physical, but he it, his calling card is his speed. speed. Um, he has yeah. breakaway speed, and um, they've talked about it before, but he kind of, he kind of like forces safeties to take bad angles because they underestimate just, you know, how fast he is in open space. He's also a guy that's been injured in the past few weeks. Like, you know, if you talk to anyone around that program, they feel like he's not been as explosive um, in their past couple of games. He did, you know, score, I think, against Kentucky. But I looked at his stats and he hasn't had a hundred yard rushing game. He had five 100 yard rushing game or 100 plus yard rushing games in his first eight games and he hasn't had one mm. or he's had one since. So it's just uh yeah. I mean those are their two best playmakers on offense and it just it's you know talking holistically it's a, it's a huge credit to Jeff Brom. In his first year he has them with a 10 win season, only one loss in conference to Pittsburgh, which is surprising obviously Pittsburgh's not been good this year. Um, but it was a it was one of those games where they had had an emotional win over Notre Dame the week prior, went on the road to Pittsburgh, kind of, you know, lost focus and 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 fell in that contest. But their only other losses at the conference to Kentucky, a rival in the SEC. So a really good first year for Jeff Brom. He's an impressive coach. Um, you know, I watched that full game, Louisville versus Miami a few weeks ago. And Miami's defense, as Florida State fans know, is pretty solid. But mm -hmm. he found a way on the road to put up 38 points on that defense. And he did it in creative creative ways. Um, the tight ends had 10 catches, I believe, in that game. And apparently before that, like, looking at statistics, their tight ends were, like, non-existent in that offense. Um, and he found a weakness in Miami's defense and exploited it all game. And they were able to put up nearly 40 points on a – borderline elite defense in, in Miami. Um, we saw kind of what they were able to do against FSU just a few weeks prior. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's a really complete team. Like, the defense is, is not 
I mean, they're they're elite in certain categories. Um, their edge rusher, the uh, Ashton Ashton yeah, Gallant from from yeah, or um, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. But he's a South Florida kid, a third year player for them. Really impressive. Eleven sacks on the year. He's been disruptive. They have other defensive linemen that have been impressive throughout the year. And then their DBs have also been uh, actually a strong point for them. I know Florida Brownlee. State, yeah, we'll remember Jarvis Brownlee. He's recovering from an injury. He, he'll he play, I believe, this weekend. But he just returned to action in the limited role against Kentucky. But as we know, two years ago, that was an interesting matchup between him and Johnny Wilson. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have multiple other impressive defenders. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I think most people could count on Jeff Brom having a pretty great offense at Louisville, maybe even early on, but to have this, you know, effective of an offense in his first year, along with a defense that is not like far behind them or, or might, might be even better than, than, than them holistically um, throughout the entire season. It's pretty crazy. And it's a, it's, you know, a massive kudos to him and his staff for what they've done in just one year there. It's legitimately, like if you look at the ESPN efficiency uh, metrics, a top 25 offense and defense. I think wow. both are like at 22, right, or like right around there. So like, uh, legitimately good groups uh, that do some things very, very well, like you mentioned. Louisville's quarterback is Jack Plummer, veteran. A uh, guy's been around for, I think it's his sixth year of college football. I think he was a guy, he's from Arizona originally, if I'm not mistaken, Kenny Dillingham considered bringing in here as a transfer at some point. It didn't happen, obviously. Uh, and you you got what you got with Jordan Travis and developed him and, and figured yeah. out. So it worked out well for for FSU. Uh, but but interesting that there's a a little bit of a uh, correlation there uh, with with the quarterback. Um, I think exactly like, as we look at like what maybe things that can give us a little bit of concern or, you know, FSU, what, I think a four point favorite in this matchup or that's what it opened. I think it's at. down to like two and a half now. So there you go. I mean, you're talking about pretty, and it's a neutral site game, but it, it's pretty darn close. Um, and I think what, as I view this Louisville team, have not played a great schedule uh, that was kind of well-documented going into the season. I don't think anything's really changed, like as the season unfolded. Oh, what's their best win? Notre Dame? Yeah, Notre Dame at home after Notre Dame had lost a heartbreaker, I think, to Ohio State the week prior. There was a bunch of turnovers and stuff in that game. It is what it is. You know, you they blew them out. Like, it wasn't just a yeah. lucky win. Like, they right. did, they they won that game. Um, but, but yes, you're right. It's not been an impressive slate. They faced really none of the great to elite teams in the ACC. That I think Miami's probably the best team they've played in the ACC, if I'm thinking back on yeah, it. That's probably their second best win. Um, yeah. And that it was at Miami. That was an impressive win. Yeah, but. it was. Uh, I'm not – it hasn't been a great schedule. I think they are, like, where they're ranked. They're probably top 15 and 20 team nationally. Like, I don't yeah. think – like, so this is a very competent team, this is my point. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. I don't think they're elite, but they have really good to elite in some areas. And, like, that's – that's as we talk about this game, uh, where Florida State stands. Uh, we saw what the first start with Tate Rotomaker looked like at Florida, and it wasn't always pretty. He did put together a fantastic drive, a really important one. He also got his bell rung late in that game. He returned uh, to hand the ball off, but we didn't, really didn't see him a whole lot else, you know, uh, other than that. So, like, we're going to see how he responds and what, like, his – where his mindset is at, physically where he's at, like, and, and how he's going to do poetically, Zach, 
against a Louisville team that he did very well against last year. He had a rough first half after replacing Jordan Travis in that game and then had a really miraculous, like one of the better stories we've seen the last few years, second half. Uh, so I think what I'm trying to get to here is there are unknowns for this game. Both teams dealing with various different types of injuries. Uh, FSU to its QB2. Louisville has a veteran quarterback. That in and of itself kind of presents some issues. You have two really good play callers at head coach. I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is like this is probably the second best team at FSU's place this season or face this season. I, I would say like out, outside of LSU in the opener, in terms of just being a good solid team without a whole lot of deficiencies, that's going to put a lot of pressure on you to play a clean game. What's the score to? Like, what's the race to? Is it to 25 points? Is it to 20 to 30 points? 28? Like, like I, you're going to have to score a good amount of points. I think your defense, even if it plays well, is probably going to give up a couple scores yeah i think like i'm banking on jeff Brom being able to scheme up three touchdowns so and you know however many other you know points get added to that just you know with drives that ended field goals or whatever but but i think louisville is competent enough on offense to go down and methodically have scoring drives and yeah. uh yeah i mean florida state's defense is playing really well right now but you know, that what they've faced recently is not nowhere near the tests I think that they're going to get against Louisville. Um, I mean, I mean, you look, they played a bunch of, they played a backup quarterback against Miami then North Alabama and then Florida with the backup quarterback, obviously on the road. But yeah, I mean, like I speaking a little bit about the quarterback for Louisville, like Jack Plummer, like he's a good player, but I mean, it's, it's not going to wow you. In my he's opinion. not gonna he's not gonna screw up either like a ton like I mean he's got well, eleven interceptions yeah I wouldn't season. I wouldn't go I was about to say I wouldn't go that far um he does turn the ball over one thing I will note in their two losses is two losses this year um against Pitt they turned the ball over three times I think believe he two threw two picks and I think they fumbled the ball five times and only lost it once it, so, it was a bizarre we I watched the game it was yeah. it was a strange game. Yeah, and then this past week they also turned the ball over three times, two lost fumbles, and a pick. So this isn't a team that's extremely safe with the football. Like they they do turn the ball over. He has eleven picks in the season. That's not good. Um, and like what like I was saying, like I don't think he's going to wow you, but he's pretty efficient. Um, like he's going to get the ball on time to his playmakers, and they're going to have an opportunity to make plays in space. And I think that's really where this comes down to. Like Florida State needs to make those plays. They need to prevent the, you know, five-yard reception turning into a 15-yard reception because Jamari Thrash breaks a, a tackle on, you know, a, a tackle attempt by a corner. Like, those are the plays that are going to make or break Florida State's defense. And to me, like, I think FSU, you know, in total in this game, like, I, I do think that they're going to do a good job of preventing explosives by Louisville, especially through the passing game. Like, I think Louisville's rushing attack is pretty impressive. Um, even without, you know, I talked about Jawar Jordan earlier. Isaac Garendo is their backup running back, and he's gotten more touches in recent weeks because of the Jawar Jordan injury. And he's been really, he's had like 400 rushing yards and four touchdowns in the past four games combined. Not each game. You know what I'm talking about, Brendan. Um, yeah, no, sorry. I was, I was my face. I wasn't making a face at you. It was something else I saw on Twitter. Don't worry. Interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, so 
to me, I mean, if we're talking about a race at 25 points. I, yeah, about the 20, let's say 25 to 30. I mean, I think that's kind of like where you're at. And FSU's defense hasn't given up 30 points in the game this season. So like, yeah, that's why I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I feel confident that FSU's defense is not going to, you know, just let this Louisville offense do whatever it wants. Like it's going to be the aggressor. It, it it's playing its best football this season, in my opinion, um, as of late. And this is going to be a tougher test, and we'll see how they kind of match up. But to me, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a race to 25. FSU's offense needs to find, you know, some answers. Because it was clear last week that, you know, without Trey Benson ripping off some explosive runs, they weren't doing all that much um, through the but That's passing. what they do in the, with the oh, run absolutely. Game. But but you're you're – you're not getting bailed out by Jordan Travis being a excellent football player and making crazy plays when a play seems dead anymore. Like that's just, that's not going to happen. So you're going to have to scheme some, some things up in my opinion for, for Tate and this offense. Um, I did not think that they did a great job of that. I mean, I talked about this in my article, but a lot of that is players around Tate have to step up and they, and they didn't in the first half last week. Against I think like I thought a few times that as we've had our conversation here, Zach, and like to that point, I keep going back to it. Like run game needs to be consistent. And I'm not talking about the explosives at the end, because that's what they do when we know you have that in your arsenal. And if it's a close game yeah. and you're running the ball late, like you hold your breath if you're the other team because you, you feel like one's coming. But like the, the minus 10 yard runs by Trey Benson, yeah. like it it cannot happen this game. You can't let Tate get behind the chains and put that kind of pressure on him. Like it just yeah. can't happen. Um, because Louisville has a pass rusher who can absolutely dominate, and he can do it from inside, outside. Like Gelati's like really legit. Like he's very very solid. He'll be playing on Sundays. Um, and, and so like, yeah, you, you you need your offensive line, and I think they found some stuff. Like I liked the rotation that they had with. Dimitri at left guard and Keandre at right guard. Yeah. I thought Casey coming off the bench was helpful. He had some really nice like moments in counter. And um, Mike Norvell's talked about like the ability and Alex Atkins had definitely talked about this week of like, you know, Robert Scott's been available, but he's been patient with him. Like if you can get him in the mix too, and he's like at his best or close to it. Point being is like, you need the offensive line to have probably its best game of the season or if not one of, and it, it can't be this like slow burn type of deal. Like I think you need to have them be tone setters and you have a chance to control the game and to win comfortably if they go ahead and, and play their best game this season. Uh, can they, can they reach that depth though? Can they get there? We'll see. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, like I, like I was saying, I just, the O-line needs to step up against that impressive front. Um, and I wrote about it in my article as well, like establishing a consistent rushing attack would be awesome this week. Um, we haven't really yeah, seen that happen all do. season. A week to do it. It's not going to be easy. Like Louisville, I looked at, like they're the number 11 ranked total defense when it comes to rushing in the country. Um, they're really good at stopping the run. Like this is not going to be an easy test, but it's really up to the offensive line and these running backs if they're up to the challenge. Um, that's, I mean, if you're going to make your, you know, Tate's a veteran quarterback. He's been in the system for a while, but not when it comes to, you know, starting experience. So you're going to get him comfortable, which is 
the opposite of what they did in the first half against UF. Mm-hmm. You got to step up and make some plays. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor of the podcast, Chattanooga Whiskey. I'm looking at my whiskey shelf and I see one, two, three, four, six beautiful bottles of Chattanooga Whiskey. Officially chilly season here in Tallahassee. Throughout the state of Florida, Zach, it's getting a little nippy down there. Just a just a tad down there in South Florida. Yeah, finally. Warm you up is a, is a nice pour of Chattanooga whiskey. Their bourbon, their cast strength bourbon, their rye is their baseline set. But go out for adventures. Try to find their bottle and bond if you can find it. We've had one listener go ahead and buy a couple of bottles of their bottle and bond uh, for an event he's doing. A uh, shout out to Josh. Uh, the other, not not that Josh, another Josh. Uh the other day, and I think he's really happy with that. Their experimental uh, batch stuff is is really good. Chattanooga whiskey, you can find them legitimately anywhere throughout the state at this point. You go to the liquor store, your odds of finding it are, are really, really high. Uh, go to a big name one, like a, like an ABC or a Total Wine, like they will have multiple bottles, different variations. Someone who's drank a fair amount of whiskey in his life, like it is legitimately my favorite craft uh, distillery out there. And that was even before they were our sponsors. So thank you for supporting our supporters, we, we appreciate it. Uh, some other things to talk about, Zach, in the world of FSU football. And we'll get into some recruiting stuff and play some buyers to own. But uh, there's awards, wonderful, beautiful, major awards uh, that have been out. And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty cool. This is not why FSU plays these games. is not to get individual awards or accolades. But ACC, over the last few days, has rolled out. It's all ACC teams. It's player of the year stuff and it's coach of the year stuff. FSU has done very well for itself. The coach of the year just released this afternoon, Mike Norvell. It's been a minute since FSU's had a coach of the year, I think since 97. Wow. Um, Who do they they give the Jimbo one to? It was crazy, right? Wasn't it? Was it Cutcliffe? So I remember, and I'm going to talk about the, so for context here, FSU set a record with 25 honorees on the all ACC team. Three of those honors were to Keon Coleman, which like testament to his versatility and what he's meant to this offense. Uh, but I think that was a program record uh, and the offensive player of the year, Jordan Travis and like awesome for him, for him to receive that and uh, a hat tip to his exceptional career at Florida state. Well-deserved. Um, I remember back in 2013, Zach, uh, <laughs> FSU played, you know, it was a national championship season. They played uh, like an upstart, like on the rise Duke team that had a bunch of veterans and Jamison Crowder at wide receiver, but it was like a veteran defense. Played them in the ACC championship game and did what that team did to pretty much everyone during the season and, and ran away with it. Yeah. But there was like multiple like Duke defenders on the all ACC team, whereas like Telvin Smith, T- Timmy Jernigan, like we're getting put on the second team, third team. <laughs> and what happens is people are just looking at stats first and foremost, and FSU's defense is only playing half of the game uh, for, for a good chunk of the season. And then secondly, it's just like most of the people who vote for those awards are Tobacco Road media members. So they're just voting for what they say. See, uh, So anyways, for FSU to get past that, to not have this like built-in bias that there can somehow sometimes inherently be for these awards, like, man, I think it's so cool that this team has gotten uh, acknowledged for what it's done. And not just, not just like, hey, you guys did a great job, like for being badasses all season. But like, I think this is an award. These are awards in uh, recognition of 
growth in building the program too and building it through a variety of ways. Like Darius Washington's on the first team, man. That's so freaking cool. He yeah. was someone that we had to tell that like we were we were trying to get the previous coaching staff to like, look at his film more and to go ahead and keep like like are you guys gonna offer him? Are you gonna offer him? Like you're gonna miss out on this like guy, which is fine. Like not our job to offer people for the staff, but like there's a dude in the semi backyard we were trying to get them to to pay more attention to. They finally did multiple surgeries, injuries, uh, and like here he is. He's on the first team. And there's multiple guys from that 2019 class on, on the on the first team, man. It's really cool. Yeah, and you know, people can say whatever like about you know the, how the voting goes for these awards, but these players care, man. Like I was told, like you know, one of these guys was was calling up their position coach this week, just ask or had or yeah, he had asked about like you know when the awards were coming out, and when they did come out, that phone call was apparently pretty touching and and. uh I don't know. They're just super excited. They they mean a lot to these kids. And you know, that's obviously not what their ultimate goal is, right? Is is, you know, for from pretty much anyone on this roster. That's kind of how Mike Norvell recruits. It's not about the individual goals, but it's a nice byproduct of of all the work that they've put in. I'm going back and looking at the 2013 team, uh, all ACC team. That's a insane. Yeah. A, a defensive tackle. I mean, all right. Aaron Donald making the first team at defensive tackle. Fair. We'll 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 let that one slide. Yeah. Uh, but Nikita Whitlock, who I think he's had a, like, did he play? He's played in the league. Uh, but he got in over Timmy Jernigan. Uh, a, a linebacker for Duke named Kelby Brown got in at linebacker over Terrence Brooks, or sorry, Telvin Smith, and then and then and then Anthony Harris at safety for Virginia who had a nice career. Got in over Terrence Brooks, who was just a complete like monster that year. I just there's a lot of things that like for this dominant defense FSU had legitimately one one player on the all ACC defensive team for one of the the number First one team. defense in the country. That's insane. Was Lamarcus Joyner? <laughs> so That's crazy. So like for you to get the recognition, I think it's like just uh, I think it speaks to, like this team's likable. You know, and I know we've talked about like the you know, some of the national media kind of poo poo and what FSU's done this season, but like just in general, like talking to people around town like this is captivated a lot of fandom and i think it's beyond just like local or regionally like i, I think there's like legitimate like uh, appreciation for how far this program has come in a short time like as they're on if you're listening to this on the eve of playing the acc championship game i don't know if they would get back here i don't know how soon they would get back here uh and, and for mike Norvell to do it through this like cool accumulation of guys who were retained guys who've been developed guys who came in the transfer portal and you maximize them in a short span. Like it's just, it's cool. It's well-deserved stuff. Yeah. It's not the end all be all wins or what we're really after and chasing, but like, yeah, it's, it's cool. And to your point, Zach, like there's, it matters to players. I feel like Jarring Jones should have gotten more love, but like, you know, it's not the end of the world, but yeah. It's, it's only cool. honorable mention. He's been like arguably FSC's best DV this year, in my opinion, but anyway, his his progression's been so cool. Like just for a guy who he literally got like people were insanely mad at us. You and I, yeah, in, yeah, in preseason for saying like, like last season, I think preseason, like saying like, dude, this guy's like dominating like practices. Um, and to see, you know, I think this all kind of started like his ascension really started with that Florida game last year, um, where he had that awesome press conference afterwards, like all. Oh, you know, all the stuff you guys were talking about me, I don't think you're saying anymore. 
And he's only lived up to those words, man. The, the season, I tweeted about it after the, the UF game. Like, he's genuinely getting, you know, high NFL draft buzz. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we're any – I mean – that's, at one point, like we didn't think that he could play for this football team. He was one of the worst graded cornerbacks in the country, twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, He's it's, been. I mean, we talked about it, but like Xavier Ostrepo, Miami's leading receiver, zero catches in that game. He was lined up in the slot most of the game. Ricky Pearsall, fifty two yards away from a thousand yard season, finishes with seventeen yards in that game. Like. He's been locked down. He's given up, I think, zero touchdown passes this year. That's that's my only gripe with the the ACC, uh, you know, awards is is Jerry and Jones only being an honorable mention. But I mean, you get twenty five overall. It's not a not a huge deal um, collectively. But I, but I for Jerry and himself, I, I you know, I wish they would have uh, actually turned on the film. Speaking of collectively, uh, if you want to support a collective that helps build a roster that has 25 all ACC members, uh, player retention is how they've made their bones. The battle's end has uh, played a, a huge role in getting FSU to this place. And you can support uh, the collective, be part of it, be part of the program building and support the players too. Like, and, and that's what's so cool about the battle's end is, is it, it gives NIL opportunities to, to players and um, helps their exposure and their branding. So, yeah, I would say one thing, if you go on the Battles End website, I think it's thebattlesend.com, there's like a whole memorabilia section, which is pretty awesome. Um, you can pretty much get signed pictures of players and helmets uh, on the team. Great for holiday shopping. I know I've done a little oh, bit myself. Um, so for, for, you know, for some family members. So, oh yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not to cut. Can I tell you about something? I told you already, but I'm going to tell you for the audience. Okay. All right. I got uh, my wife a her favorite band. We went to see them at Red Rocks this past spring. It was awesome. It was a great experience, like magical concert, like as you would assume, like what band? Wanted, you know, Red Rocks to be. Um, and there was a, like a like a throw blanket, like a cool, like really like nicely like quality throw blanket for the of the band uh, had for sale uh, in the merch shop. Like going in to the concert. We passed on it. It was a little expensive for, for what it was, but uh, it, it was heavy and it would have been tough to carry back to just to have to for the night, but then to carry back in, in the luggage and stuff. So we, we passed on it and she had buyer's remorse. She usually doesn't have buyer's remorse, but like week after or the opposite of buyer's remorse week after she's like, I really wish I had gotten it. Looked at the uh, store website. Uh, they didn't have it and, or the merch store. I didn't have it checked again, like a month later, still didn't have it. She still wanted it. Anyways, it went for sale like right before Christmas time. I bought it for her. I was like, this is awesome. Like she's not, it's not on our radar at this point anymore. This will be like a legit surprise uh, delivery uh, or package for her like uh, on Christmas. And so we got a delivery this morning, post office drops it off. I don't know why they're dropping off mail at seven 30. It's always at three 30, whatever. And she was like, Oh, the mail came. She goes and checks it. She goes, oh, it's a shirt I ordered. I can wear it today. She goes and takes it into the into the bedroom, like rips open the, I hear ripping it open. I'm not even like concerned because I just assumed it was her package. And she goes, oh, I think this is for you. Dude, it had my name on it. It didn't say anything about Amazon. It said like Lord Huron, like shop. It had everything that like was indicative that it was not her present to open up or her package. And she's maintaining that she didn't see what it was. 
but she totally saw what it was. And that was the like creme de la creme. Like that was the centerpiece gift for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I know you're upset about it because I called you right afterwards and you were all, I mean, understandably so upset. The worst. All right. Let's take, let's take a quick commercial break. Uh, We'll talk a little bit of recruiting when we come back. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to On the Bench. Zach, let's get into some recruiting stuff. Uh, we're about to enter just pure madness, the craziest part of maybe of all the coverage we do. I would say the stretch in December. Transfer portal opens up on Monday. Official visits start up at the end of the week. Signing days in what three weeks? Early signing days in three. December twenty-eighth. Yeah, so about yeah. three weeks. Three weeks away. So like stuff's happening, and FSU is currently sitting with what the third rank class nationally. Yep. Uh, transfer portal. We've talked a little bit about it. I think maybe we should do like next week, like a full transfer portal type of type of show. But we've kind of talked about some needs, stuff like that. Probably looking at five to seven or eight scholarship spots uh, around there. They're going to allocate towards the transfer portal. I think a lot of that's going to be what the market dictates. Uh, and then what, what you do in finishing with your prep class too. Uh, but not as relying on it this year as you've been in past years, because the prep recruiting is getting better. Uh, so you'll be able to do more grassroots stuff and development with, with frankly, a higher upside uh, type of player. Um, but as we get into it, Zach, let's talk real quick. Who's our sponsor for this segment? Who's uh, fueling us to talk about recruiting? Football coach, college dynasty, mm-hmm. only the best college management game or college football management game on PC. My favorite game. You're able to call plays, create game plans, recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. Features the official visits for recruits, school boosters, conference realignment, the transfer portal, and even NIL. It's available on Steam right now for $15. So do we want to start with talking about some transfer portal stuff or some prep stuff? We can go either direction because you got crystal balls. We got important names entering the transfer portal. Where do we want to start? Start. Let's start high school prep. Okay. So you put in a few crystal balls lately. Um, yes. And some other people have put in crystal balls. So uh, let's see. I want to start off with your 2025 defensive players. You've put in two crystal balls. Let us know a little little quick uh, update on what you're expecting, hopefully fairly soon. Yeah, so the first one I put in was for Daryl Duke Johnson. He's out of Dodge County High School in uh, South Georgia. East, I think it's Eastman, Georgia. Um, really talented player. He's ranked as a linebacker on 24-7 sports, but I think FSU views him as a safety. 6'1", 200 pounds. He's ranked the number 34 overall prospect in the 2025 recruiting class. He's told me for months that FSU leads for him. He was in the swamp for FSU's win against UF. Afterwards, told me FSU still leads. 
I feel great there. I think Florida State is in a great position to eventually pull that one off. I don't know what an exact timeline for his decision, but I could see it happening over the next few months. We um, should definitely set timelines. That was my mistake for even asking. I think we've learned to probably not do that for recruitments, but yes. Uh, but I, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, the other one I put in in the 2025 class, along with Brandon Huffman and Steve Wolfong of 24/7 Sports, Zadrius Rainey Sale. He's out of the state of Washington. He's the number one recruit in the state of Washington for the 2025 class. A linebacker, six foot two, 220 pounds, the number 12 linebacker in the country in 2025, number 81 player overall. I like where Florida State sits. He was on campus this summer for a June camp, worked out with the staff, was really impressive in that camp. And since then, Florida State's prioritized him. They got him back on campus for, he was supposed to be at the Miami game, didn't make it. You know, you would expect like, if a kid from 3,000 miles plus doesn't make it for a game, he's probably not going to reschedule for the next week. Well, he makes it to the North Alabama game. So I think that kind of showed you how bad he wanted to visit FSU. After a that good game. indicator of uh, of interest, for sure. Yeah, legitimate interest. And, and yeah, Florida State sits in an awesome spot there. I feel like they're at the forefront of that recruitment. I think it's them and kind of Washington. Um battling it out but i think fsu right now is the is the front runner and i could see him making a decision um soon no no timelines never mind no timelines anyway yeah those are the two 2025 names moving into 24 mm-hmm. i have not entered a crystal ball yet but denos white we've talked about him uh you know a number of times on the podcast but he's a three-star defensive lineman out of Concord, North Carolina. FSU's been recruiting him for a while. They got him on campus over the summer. He was at the Duke game, I believe, in October in Tallahassee. Steve Wolfong, the GOAT, put in a crystal ball for Denos White to end up at Florida State. I feel like FSU's the top team in his recruitment right now. The only reason I'm hesitant to put in a crystal ball is just I want to see kind of how Florida State's Defensive line recruiting is impacted by the transfer portal. Also want to see if any other schools jump in the mix for Denos White. I know Miami is trying to make a play at him. They could, you know, host him on a visit sometime in December um, because I think he has some open weekends. I know Florida State is set to host him on the 8th of December from the 10th or 8th through through the 10th of December. So that'll be his OB to FSU. You know, we get to that point which is next weekend, and and there's really no other school involved. I mean, probably going to log a crystal ball pick in for in favor of FSU for Denos White. Well, that would be uh, some stability for the defensive tackle recruiting. That's been such a, like, a puzzle for us to put together. It would be nice if we had it. But like if Miami's in the mix for a defensive lineman, I, I'm just kind of like, well, we'll see it when it happens or believe it when we see it kind of deal. Like Miami's uh, – very committed to upgrading their trench play. Yeah, we saw that when they flipped the five-star number one defensive lineman in the country from Ohio State yesterday. Let's see. Let's talk a little bit about transfer portal, real quick. Sure. Okay. So, Your baby. my baby. 
it's funny. It's just like the season trying to pay attention to, to this team, which deserves obviously like full attention. It's been difficult to fully get into it um, and try to balance all that out, but it's coming. Like it's, it's going to be here in a few days. Uh, players are already starting to enter or announce that they're entering. This is college football's version of free agency, basically. Um, it is uh, the ability, as we've seen Florida State do, the, the ability to change your team drastically in a very short period of time. Uh, you can overhaul, you can tweak, you can make a few additions, uh, you can go big game hunting, you can be like Dion and try to get what, 50 players uh, in the transfer portal. There's all sorts of different tactics and approaches. Hell, even Dabo Swinney's getting involved in it at this point. He decided to make his very first portal offer to be a Division II player from Shorter, where Kyle Morlock came from. I love that. That's his like first legitimate offer is to a division. Like he's a good, he's a good player. Like he's, I think he has OB set to like Clemson, Penn State, and like another school. So like he's, yeah, I mean he's a legit dude. But what, dude? What's going on at Shorter? That's what we need to talk about. Uh, There must be something in the water up in Northwest Georgia, I guess. My theory is that Dabo thought if he offered a kid from D2, like maybe it wouldn't get out there and no one would know. He was just open to just like kind of but see the, the kid was tweeting out every single one of his offers. He should have known. Dabo's like, that's a red flag. This kid's tweeting out offers. Don't do social media around here. Um, so yeah, every, like this is this is a huge portion of the recruiting calendar. It's a very short one. It's only 30 days, uh, but it, it is one that is a super important one. Talking to people like industry wide, like we're expecting, I think there was about 2,000 and change last year in December, players who entered the transfer portal. I think it'll be kind of a similar number. I don't think it'll be crazy different, even with a shorter window. It's just gonna be more chaotic, uh, probably. I'm interested to see like how schools like like Florida State that had a collective super dedicated to player retention, if that kind of changes some things a little bit, but I still you're still gonna have teams needing like upgrades you're still going to see a lot happening here for florida state zach like we've talked about this before whether we think quarterback should or shouldn't be uh, a priority in the transfer portal nothing's really changed my mind with what we've seen with the data set so far with life after jordan travis and it happened obviously far more abruptly and and faster than any of us wanted um I, I still think you look at taking quarterback if qualifier it's a good fit and the fit means what senior upperclassman Someone with starting experience, someone who could be a good mentor to your younger players and isn't threatening to a Brock Land or Luke Romanock. Like, fair? Like, I think that's kind of what you're looking for. I I agree with that completely. I think that's the only option that makes sense for FSU in in this market. And the guy who, like, for me, that I was thinking of, like, okay, if if he enters just from a pure, like, we did in the in the pipe dream story, like that would be awesome. And just help out, I think, in a variety of ways for how you try to build your offense would be Riley Leonard. That was just my, like, that would be one guy I'd be interested in. But, like, there's multiple ones who I think can hit the market that would make sense. Like Michael Pratt from Tulane, someone whose name's been brought up before, very solid. Seth Hennigan from Memphis. Like, these are G5 type of guys. But, like, you even look look at Cameron Ward with Washington State. Garrett Green with West Virginia's had a really nice year, and he's from Tallahassee. Like, so there are names out there who makes sense. Uh, we've seen a few players enter the transfer portal or talk about it. Uh, KJ Jefferson, has he ended up staying? Or I don't think he's announced whether he's staying or he, going. He's even on the fence. But like people have asked about him. Uh, who's it? Will Howard from Kansas State. Uh, will so, Rogers from, or, yeah. Is it from Will, is it will Howard? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, yeah, Will Rogers from Mississippi State. So guys with like experience, uh, but none of like the players who've actually entered so far have gotten my interest uh, other than Riley Leonard. Uh, but he will probably go to Notre Dame uh, for some reason. Guys from the Triangle area love going to, or from Tobacco Road, love going to Notre Dame uh, to, to finish out their college career. Uh, but that changed today when I say that this one caught my interest. Oregon State's DJ Ui Angale, uh entered the transfer portal. I think I did that fairly well. DJ Ui Angale. I think it's Ui, DJ Ui Angalale. Angalale. It's a, the double L that gets me at the end. Angalale. And all joking aside, I might have to get to learn his name pronunciation better, Zach. What I does think that mean? That, what's it mean? I think it means that there is legitimate interest between both parties. Ooh. Uh, he and before you start rolling your eyes and you're thinking of the DJ Youngalale, I think I'm better at it already. No, no I think I was. Um, I think before you know, you start thinking of him as the quarterback who was at Clemson. Understandable why, but maybe you haven't watched a lot of Pac-12 football this year. It's been a really fun conference for quarterbacks, and he's been one of the better ones in that conference. He's a top 15 quarterback in QBR nationally. He's a top 25 quarterback in PFF grade nationally. That's his marriage of metrics and people grading it, saying like, yeah, this is a legitimately good quarterback. Uh, he's not perfect by any means. Uh, some of his accuracy stuff can be hit or miss, but he has a big arm. He can run with the football. And you saw like a lot of nice poise and maturity with his, his growth at Oregon State this season. I believe there are some connections between FSU staff and DJU. Uh, I think, if you're a quarterback and people are assuming he's going to go follow a uh, was it Smith uh, to Michigan state? Maybe I don't think so. I think Florida state would be far more appealing. I think there's other schools that might be more interesting. I don't think he's tied to, to following his coach from last year. Yeah. He's already entered the transfer portal, Zach. So like that's me rambling of like, that's an important name. That's an domino to fall. That's a name to watch. Yeah. Something to note, like his younger brother, is a defensive end who's like a really high profile recruit, Mateo Ui Angole. We're going to get it. It's gonna keep he's working. at Oregon. He's at Oregon. So um, I guess that's something I know. Like, you know, obviously Oregon's going to be moving on from Bo Nix. I'm not sure if they're in the market for a transfer quarterback, but if so, I guess that could be a spot that makes sense. But yeah, I agree with you, Brendan. Um, this is the first name where I felt like. He makes sense, and it also makes sense for Florida State to where, like, when Riley Leonard entered, like, yes, like, he's a really good player, and I think Florida State would benefit from having him on the roster next year. But that was never, real, like, realistic, in my opinion. Like, super realistic, I should say, because he literally entered the portal within 10 minutes there were crystal balls entered for Notre Dame. To and he had a, a do not contact, uh, which yeah. for people who don't know, you can like, when you enter the transfer portal, you have, can select like you either want contact right. or like, you don't. What do you think? Like, to me, that's just like, Hey, I, w- I was tampered with. That's what that means. It does seem like a bit of a red flag. Uh, I remember Landon Dickerson when he entered way back when, and some people tried to tell me that wasn't going to be a big deal uh, to lose a um, first round draft pick. Uh, did, won some awards at Alabama. Anyways, um, I was right. You were wrong. He entered the portal, came back, and then and then re-entered. Again, he swam against the current there. He just he did his own thing. Um, go fish. Um, where was I? You caught me off. Caught me off. Um, 
but no anyways he, it happens where guys like will go test the waters come back and then and do a do not contact this is just riley leonard pretty much knowing where he's going and following a million notre dame players and is what it is it's fine i don't have any issues with it college football in 2023 baby but um but dju back to him like he seems to make sense he fits the criteria i think yeah and i think like for looking because obviously the counterpoint to adding a transfer quarterback is you don't want to disrupt that room um i think we all feel pretty good about brock lennon the future that he could have at florida state along with a guy that you're going to be adding onto the roster in january and luke krumenhock a really high profile quarterback recruit in the class of 2024 you don't want to shake up that room and i think dju is the perfect way of not doing that because he's a one-year guy guaranteed and he's a veteran he's played a ton of college football he's going to be a great or he could be a great person in that room to serve as a mentor for those younger guys i think that's another reason why this makes sense and yeah i mean i just like i'm not gonna lie like i think i was more in the casual fan take of like oh i remember his not so great days at clemson when he you know when his name first came on the radar to me this offseason or this upcoming offseason like it looking at his numbers like nothing too crazy but he's also you know he's not turning the ball over a ton like he he was at Clemson he's been much more efficient at Oregon State and you know I think him removed from that Clemson program he was obviously not the only issue there um you know as we see in this season yeah they're about to they seem like they're breaking another five-star quarterback um, there's yeah. there's some issues at Clemson with how they've developed QBs after a really nice run. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I'm interested to see how this kind of unfolds. It's an interesting timing for Florida State on their side just because, you know, a lot, a lot of these teams – so there's a dead period right now. Um, you can't host prospects on campus, but that lifts on Friday. So some teams will actually be hosting recruits on campus this weekend. That will not be Florida State, obviously, as the team will be – the team and the staff will be in Charlotte over the weekend for the ACC championship game. They'll hit the road on Sunday after the game. So yeah, start, yeah. yeah start doing in, in, in home visits. Um, we'll obviously cover that extensively on those 24 com. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see kind of how they handle that. And, you know, with the transfer portal opening for real, um, not just to grad guys on Monday of this coming week. So, it, it is interesting to like, even like, so let's say, I don't know how the timeline works. So let's say you win on Saturday, win and you're in earmuff stain and you have a playoff game and you, let's say, let's say you win in like sluggish fashion and like no one captivates your imagination at quarterback. And so you're going like, okay, like it is what it is. And you make it to the playoff with that. And you're pretty sure at that point, like, you know, if DJU is, or someone of that, like, oh, is interested in you and you can attain them and it makes sense. Like, let's say you start recruiting them. What's the timeline of like, they want to commit. And then you have this person committing to you to play next season while the season's still ongoing. And you know, the incumbent quarterback like Tate Rodemaker is still on the roster and knows he has a quarterback coming in to compete with. And you're not bringing in someone of that, you know, so th- there's this balancing act. There's this dynamic that I don't envy. Like this is why Mike Norvell makes a lot of money to, to weigh these kind of things. 
and again, it doesn't even say this is all going to happen. There's a scenario that, that is out there. There's a timeline where that exists. Like, that's stressful to think about, no? Yeah, but uh, like you said, luckily we're not the ones having to uh, deal with that. You know, it's, it's, it's really just like how you're playing your cards, right? Like if you're going to bank on these guys on the current roster heading into next season, you're not trying to entertain a transfer quarterback. I think we've said for the past few weeks and maybe, you know, over a month now, like we think it's a, a, a decently big chance that they do, that they do explore the market. And yeah, I mean, I, like you said, I don't, I don't envy the coaches having to deal with that situation because that's just really what handling quarterbacks room, rooms are nowadays. It's, you know, that's why a lot of teams aren't signing two high school quarterbacks in the same class because you could bet a ton of money that one of those guys is going to transfer within two or three years. Like it's for sure going to happen because these guys, you're only going to have one playing. Like you got to go find a spot that you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense for some of those younger guys on the roster that probably don't have a shot at playing to go explore playing time elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting balancing act um, to follow at Florida State. Don't worry, Mike. I got enough anxiety for for both of us. If you're not worried about it, I, I am. Um, I think that's it for recruiting right now. I think some other positions we can flesh it out more later. But like, I think linebacker, edge, defensive end is probably the biggest priority. Like, yeah, quarterback's very much so a wild card of like if you find the right fit. They're not going to end exit this offseason without at least one defensive end, if not two. Yeah, I think they do. I think two is the the preference for them. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it, I think, on the last pod or the one before. Like, it's it's a huge property. So, yeah, I mean, edge, and then I think you obviously need a a linebacker that you feel can start for you and be a quality starting linebacker at Florida State next season. I think defensive tackle, assuming Daryl Jackson, Josh Farmer come back. You feel like you're somewhat fine there, but maybe add one body. We've seen how much they value it. Yeah. This past offseason showed like they're, and even throughout the season, the way they use it. But like if you bring back, let's say Dennis Briggs gets a waiver. If he wants to to come back for another year, he's able to get a waiver. Then, you know, that's quality there. Malcolm Ray, if he comes back for another season, like a solid rotational piece. And he thought about like a Daniel Lyons, uh, KJ Samson, if you can start developing those guys, like, it's not a bad group at all. It's not a bad nucleus, but like if you can get one more there for sure, it's that's where again you're like we're talking about two defensive ends, a linebacker, a defensive tackle, maybe a quarterback. What about an offensive lineman? Like all of a sudden we're at six positions, and like that's kind of the sweet spot. We're talking about five to to seven or eight guys. Like you might it starts getting close. What if an awesome skill player who's too good, like a Keon Coleman again, shows up and you're like, oh, we can't pass up on that. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh Again, balancing act, I think, is kind of kind of the name of the game moving forward. Uh, let's talk – well, talk. Let's play a little by Sonona real quick, Zach, and we'll get out of here. You ready? Let's do it. Who's it sponsored by? The Turner Group. The Turner Group. Shout out to Colin Turner, Amy Turner, Becky, everyone else at the Turner Group. Uh, that was – shout out, Chris, uh, for listening while on the podcast. Oh, God, you think they're listening to the podcast – or the podcast on the car ride up? Oh, we're talking about Brett being, Brett being Chris's illegitimate son. And I don't even know what you just said. Cret? Brett, Chris, I combine the two. I'd like to make a correction. They'll probably listen to it, yeah. 
No, they won't. Caruso listens. Chris yeah, does. Okay. Get with the Barcelona's. Sorry. Are you am I losing you? Anyways, yeah. sorry, Colin. Uh, the Turner Group is where you can go if you're trying to enter the housing market, uh, if you're trying to sell a home, buy a home, if you're not sure about what the experience is going to look like, you don't have a realtor who you trust or anyone that you know of. Everyone knows a realtor, right? Uh, but you want to know one who is going to do a legitimately good job for you because it is such a big uh, transaction that you're making when you're buying a home, selling a home. The Turner Group has a wealth of experience and knowledge, connections throughout the state of Florida. Zach's parents just use them to help buy a townhome and they're going to make money off of it. And it's like, yes, like this is what that how that transaction is supposed to go. It's super easy yeah. for them. Yeah, I was just saying, if you're tired of paying for those crazy hotel prices during the season, I, I think it's a good investment. I, so yeah. I never have to worry about that because I'm in Tallahassee, but trying to find a hotel in Gainesville. It was gonna be like a, a nasty ass hotel it was gonna be like six hundred dollars a night. Yeah, no, there were there were like mid to like horrible hotels for like Miami weekend and I think one other weekend that were like two thousand a night or something <laughs> in Tallahassee. I'm like, dude, who is actually paying this? So that's why they were like, we you know, we're gonna invest and and it was a super easy process thanks to the Turner Group. Yeah, and uh, and shout out to Colin, who I got a flat tire on his way back uh, from Gainesville this past weekend. Uh, hopefully this weekend is better for him. Sorry, I don't Colin. think he's going to the ACC championship game. I think he's, he's hopefully saving up for uh, for a playoff run. So knock on wood, hopefully you're covering that or are able to enjoy that. Colin, we're, we're covering it. All right, so let's get into it. Byers Known, sponsored by? The Turner Group. Kirk Herbstreet. Herbstreet, I think I'm stroking out, dude. Kirk Herbstreet hates FSU. Sinone, but his takes have been really bad this week and over the past few weeks. I think he's just like being told like this is this is the angle you need to play. Play it. Uh, by or Sinone from NH Seminole. You feel better about Jeremiah Smith coming into this class than Armando Blunt staying in this class. I hate this question. I literally avoided it on my like Q and A thing that I did. Did he was it? Did he ask you it too? I, I don't know if it was the same person, but it was definitely asked three times in that thread. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel better that it's the, it's so annoying to predict because honestly, I'm still digging on the Armando Blunt situation for, you know, for context, Miami's trying to flip Armando Blunt back to that school after he flipped from Miami to FSU just a, about a month ago. That recruitment's crazy. Like I'm going to admit it is nuts. Um, I think it's pretty, you know, pretty well documented how crazy it got when he actually did flip to FSU. And I, Still think there's some twists and turns to be had oh, over the next 20 days or so. Um, it's a long 30, time. 305 is going to 305, huh? Yeah. So you're buying it? No, I want to skip it. Yeah, I'm not doing that. You're going to skip that. That's fine because you're on record of saying 51% for Jeremiah Smith. Yeah, I'm not about it. Yeah, I just, I, I, I truly, I'm a little puzzled. I, I'll admit, I'm a little puzzled at the Armando Blunt situation. Still trying to figure out what's actually going on there because FSU is being like, you know, told all the right things. Um, but I do fully believe that Miami's making a legitimate push for him, and you know they've they've gotten him on campus apparently twice in the past few weeks, like for like under the radar visits. So yeah, I, 
I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of how it unfolds. Florida State, I think an important data point in that recruitment is who gets the last official visit because he has not taken a single official visit since he reclassified to the class of 2024 from 2025. FSU and Miami are both pushing for that final weekend. I think that could be telling, right? Like if, if FSU gets the last visit, I think they have a good shot of keeping him. If Miami does, I think that tells you all you need to know. Is it's nuts. Yes. I just, it's more like it just if this is legitimately like where this recruitment is going and like it's going to become this legit coin flip decision. It just when this kind of stuff happens to me, I don't want to say it. It becomes concerning. Like if that player ends up making it on campus, like how often is Miami going to be in the ear back channeling or whatever? Like people from home, not even Miami, not even saying like Tampa. How much are people going to be like? in his ear, like, you should come home. You didn't play, you know, your first, like, three games. You know what I mean? Stuff like that is just, like, clearly yeah. there are a lot of people in his camp, a bunch of different people trying to sway one way or the other, and that yeah. is problematic sometimes. That's also, like, the name of the game when you're recruiting high-end players from South Florida sometimes. Absolutely. Right? Yes. There are a ton of different factors, and and I'm not trying to, like, spin it. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to come off that way. Like, we'll see how this one unfolds. But I definitely do think there is some back and forth to be had over the next three weeks in this recruitment. I, I don't think it's over. You know, I'm not going to say I feel super confident that Florida State lands him or signs him, but I, I don't feel super pessimistic towards their chances of keeping him either. Like, we'll see. Yeah, um, there's there's still there's more information to be gathered. Absolutely. I think the official visit schedule is what I'm looking at the most, like I said. Knowles 24-7, by the way. Uh you want recruiting information. You want it quickly. You want it accurately. Zach does an amazing job. Chris does an amazing job. Everyone else, we try to help out where we can to support those guys in the work that they do to provide updated information, accurate, uh, even just like the way Chris updates profiles. And it's like, it, it is, it is such a meticulous, like, well done. I'm proud to be coworkers with these guys. Thank I you. appreciate everyone. You're welcome. I appreciate everyone who signed up for Knowles 24 seven in the last week. We, crushed it in our uh in our promo. promo for black friday i think we were third in the network yeah and the other two schools had coaching changes going on which always draws a ton of interest so just shows you how strong this fan base is yeah so we we appreciate people who recognize like an opportunity to be, to join us and you know if you upgrade it or whatever like thank you like it, it's cool and hopefully you enjoy the wild ride there will you be will. ups there will be downs it is about to get crazy uh by orson known this is from Toxic Knoll. Jordan Travis has a bigger impact at FSU or had a bigger impact at FSU than Jameis Winston. This is interesting, Zach, because yeah. it impacts, that, you know, on page, like I first thought you're like, no, he didn't, he didn't win a national championship, but you know what? I, I'll say bye because Brendan, you and I were having conversations two years ago about Mike Norvell, our lack of confidence that he would be FSU's head coach in the next year or two when we had those conversations. I think it was that spring after the Travis Hunter debacle. Yeah, it was not trending in a way where it needed to trend. Yeah, they, lost, they had their worst loss in program history that season too. So to go from that to – college football playoff national championship hopes in two years is absurd. Jameis won FSU national championship, but 
he was, I mean, that was a loaded roster. So yes, he's a generational quarterback talent at the college <laughs> level. He was, he was, he was pretty yeah. damn good. No, no, absolutely. Like he was a generate. I'm not trying to discount him at all, but I mean, from a pure impact standpoint, like Florida State was going to be an elite team during the, that stretch. Um, maybe not a national championship winner, but can we say the same about FSU right now without Jordan Travis? I think, I mean, a few things. If like FSU had won a national title in 2014 as well, yeah. or even gotten to the game, like I think you remember Jameis a little differently. It's like it was this amazing, incredible year, this like fever pitch of a, of a season, and then you know, 2014 happens, and uh, there's all this off-field stuff, like some fair, like some really unfair, uh, and it's just like national media swooping in, swarming in, and it just there was this like toxicity. Uh, around the program uh, at, at in that season. And that kind of hampered it for like, a, I think historically, like looking back at it, um, at least how I view it. Like it was just this, this like, that season was a grind. It wasn't a fun season, 2014, but it was fun and because you had to keep coming back too. Like it was fun to, to have the comebacks, but they were stressful games. You felt like that team never really maximized who they were. And I think ultimately, like if you go and you win two back-to-back national championships, that's like rare, like rarefied air for, for Jameis Winston. Uh, but he was immaculate. He was amazing. I also think if Jimbo Fisher kept it rolling after Jameis left, then Jameis is remembered in a different light as well. Um, and I think that's kind of where I bring to like with Jordan Travis and Jameis is regarded as a great, like I'm not saying that he's, that he's not, uh, but where I'm saying is like where you can have this conversation, it opens up the door for it uh, to where he, it's touchable, like where it's a, a, a conversation to be had uh, because Jordan Travis to me, like, represents Zach, what you said, like that, that turnaround, that, that build, that growth under Mike Norvell, the climb that he's had. Jordan Travis is like the poster child of that. If Mike Norvell ends up winning a national title in his time at Florida State, I think then we talk about Jordan Travis in the same breath of a great like James Winston, even without Jordan, you know, not winning a national championship, not winning a Heisman Trophy. And who knows? This team could still win a national championship. Like that is, that is possible. You're going to probably play in the playoff of, uh, your, your favorite to win this game. So you're probably going to play in the playoff. Who knows then? Um, and Jordan Travis would be part of that. But uh, regardless, I think down the road, as you look back at it, if FSU has sustained success under Coach Norvell, Jordan Travis becomes remembered even more and more fondly than he already is at this time. Does that make sense? That was a lot of rambling. but Yes, I get it. Uh, J-Rod asks, uh, Bayer Sinone, sponsored by? The Turner Group. Louisville will be Florida State's toughest opponent this year. So I think initially I was like, ah, I don't know, but – we mentioned at the top of the pod, man, like it is a balanced team without a whole lot of like glaring flaws. I I think you have to consider like, are we just talking about pure, like just the team or the circumstance? Like I think include, I think include the circumstance. The circumstance to me, it's Clemson. Okay. Like Clemson's record may not indicate they're a good team, but that's genuinely a top 10 off our defense, like nationally um, top five, maybe uh, I think they're ranked like, to play in their house to win that game for the first time in 10 or in their house for the first time in like what 10 years like it's it's a big deal um so also known it but i mean i, I don't think it's a wide margin uh, I, it's fine my brain went right away to lsu lsu yeah but they're i just can't take their them seriously because their defense well, let me ask you this way, like best out of seven series, all neutral site games, because both were played in neutral site. Best out of seven, 
first to four goes to advances to the next round of playoffs? Would you rather be in a, a matchup with Louisville or LSU? Probably Louisville. Um, just because, I mean, LSU's offense is legitimately like crazy good now. Um, they didn't show it really that much against FSU in the first week, but they've, I mean, they've got well, a high defense is pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, they, I mean, Week one games are always weird, but yeah. yes, um, they've got the Heisman winner, I think, on their team. So, I, I, yeah, I would probably bank on not playing the Heisman uh, winner. Yeah, I'd always prefer to not play like a prodigious or elite quarterback. Like with yeah, with like the best receiving core in the country. But the caveat to all this is like you're talking about circumstances is like Jordan Travis is available against LSU. Obviously, uh, the heartbeat of your team. Yeah. The ACC offensive player here, not which available. might which might make Louisville a tougher opponent, considering you know you're going in with Tate. Safe, safely a J Rod a top three opponent for you this season, I think. Uh, let's see. Oh, one more from J Rod. This is a special buyer to know the ACC in their championship game being outdoors. Um, yeah, no other ACC or no no other Power Five conference really has to deal with this. This is a very unique. Uh, ACC championship game and what you're going to get in prime time is a slop fest of a bunch of rain soaked field is probably what you're getting. So like thumbs up. Great job. ACC. Once again, uh, Jim Phillips, where are you right now? Uh, people are begging for you to come out and say, Hey, ACC's representative FSU should get in no matter what silence. Uh, another uh, data point that people will, will gather and having distrust of, of FSU standing in this conference. And just, it, it continues to pile up. I never understand why. I mean, I understand that the ACC large part of their foot, footprint is in that region, but I don't like, why are we playing games in Charlotte in the winter? I just, I don't get it. Anyway, outside. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm synoning that. Uh, Knowles, well, this will be the last one. Knowles, 1983, Byers Sinone on DJ. You, oh my God, I almost had it. DJ, you, you Dude, you really got to practice. Ui Longalale. Ui Longalale. I don't think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Ui Longalale. I think I, the, the W I want to pronounce it too much, and the, the L's I have an issue with at the end, but I'm going to work on it. Anyways, I digress. Really am trying on this. Flyers uh, are known. DJ Uangalale. Got it. Being a legit option for FSU. Bye. It's a bye. It's a bye. Yeah, I think that, that's a legit thing that we'll see. I'd be interested to see how that plays out. So. Anyways, uh, for Zach Belossian, I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been On the Bench. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Safe travels to Cret uh, and the Knee family. Uh, we will have No Light Enemy on uh, the feed probably Friday morning, maybe Friday afternoon, very latest Saturday morning. It'll be an all-day type of deal if you want to get your fix in to learn about Louisville ahead of the 8 p.m. kickoff. Zach, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later.